1: Welcome back to another episode of Life with Your Dog podcast. I'm your host Luke Badman, and I'm joined over Zoom on another Thursday evening Zoom session by my co-host Panos. And Yo, so. you, what's up? What's <laughs> going on, brother? And congratulations! Thank you. I've joined the the um, exclusive Man. ranks of married men all over the world. That's right. Welcome to the club. It was um it was a great great day. It was a lot of work. Um, I don't. I know Rach doesn't listen to these podcasts, but I'm going to shout her out anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, she hears me talk about dogs enough as it is, so exactly. she put a lot of work into it. I think any any married man listening to this episode probably um understands that like the wedding day is really it's about the couple, but I think more so it's about the bride, right? Like, I, you know it's it's very much her day, and she put a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears. Um into it and it, it came off pretty much without any hitches. Um it rained until about lunchtime and then the sun cleared and we had a beautiful um outdoor garden ceremony and massive reception. Everyone had a great time. Can, can't complain. I'm a very lucky man.
0: Well, I can complain because I had a wedding on with our very good friend on the exact same
1: day, so we weren't able to make it. So that's my yep. complaint.
0: <laughs> and I wasn't waiting to reschedule moment, and it? I had
1: like <laughs> two years of um you know, cancellations, lots of, not, not us personally, I'm talking about a lot of people couldn't get married for, for two years. Um, we were lucky. We never had to do any of that. I proposed at the end of the first year of COVID and then we, we kind of planned to have it this year and we kind of dodged all the lockdowns. So good. Um, very grateful. Perfect. Got it out of the way. Yeah. Ready to the next task yeah exactly (laughs) as soon as i bought the engagement ring was when's the wedding and then now it's the the next question right exactly don't annoy luke don't when you see him don't ask him because it's annoying Mm. (laughs) so wait
0: for the good news to come well today's episode i thought we should and it's kind of like piggybacking off last episode talking about good dog training is about planning the next 10 to 15 steps and in saying that, it's like doing good anything. If you're a good planner, if you're if you're in any skill building or if you're working on any project, you're, everything that you're doing at the beginning is all those foundations for what's to come. And it's really important when we do start training that people don't get it, right? We, we rock up, we give them some stuff to do, knowing that the things that you're doing now aren't necessarily the thing that you need to do. Name game, luring, you know, pressure techniques, these sort of fundamentals, those are necessary for the things to come. And it seems like a very weird, awkward thing to practice. But then when you see session three, four, five is when, or maybe not five, but you get the next sessions to come, it's very important. They're integral like the name game teaching a dog how to follow leash pressure you know working on the look and just basic sits and down they are the thing that sets us up for what it is that we want in the future so people say i want my dog to you know um be able to walk in a bit busy environment and be able to sit at the coffee shop all the fundamentals that we practice at the beginning don't seem like they look like anything at the coffee shop but it is all very necessary
1: mm, it's like the um the foundations to building a larger pyramid or a brick wall, right? Like you can't have that brick wall. If 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 the first row of bricks is missing, there's no wall, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or even a few bricks from that row, you cannot have a stable wall, right? And so the the finished wall is, like you said, the down stay at the cafe or loose leash under a, a good amount of distraction or whatever it is, right?
0: And well, like- I guess even further of a, of a result would be I sit down, the dog just hangs out. Just happens yeah. to lay down because he knows we're going to hang out here for a while without mm-hmm. even any formal command. I guess that would be even the end end result, but it has to become a habit first, right? Yeah, like as you're saying.
1: Yeah, and sometimes when you're doing those really basic things, it's hard to imagine that that will, you know what I mean? Like that the the, the, Manifest, the, yeah. the mundane nature of some of the really basic stuff that we teach clients, it's hard to kind of put the pieces together in their mind. Possibly, like that, what that's going to lead to down the track. They're like, "Oh, well, do you, why are we learning this kind of basic stuff, right?" Yeah, and I and I like look, um, and I'm I'm sure it expresses
0: heaps of times, but I always like those the why 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 what are we doing? The what are we doing is the thing to do, but if you understand the why, then any how and what is possible. And I think I've, I think that's been the theme for like the last even three or four episodes now, and um and that's why at the beginning. When we're teaching these things, it's like, oh, look, we teach the bed. For me and you and most listeners are like, yeah, bed commands a placement command. The dog stays on the bed until we release them. It's an obvious thing. But at first, think about the most ignorant person to dog training. And it's like, all right, pull his bed out. This is how we teach bed. And people are like, what are we doing? Like, mm. why? So I always like to give those examples. And there's many reasons why we do the bed command and for the reason for that. Wouldn't it be cool that when your friend comes over and they got a child and, you, and he's getting a little bit much, instead of shouting at him, you just tell him to go to his bed and he stays until you release him. It looks like magic when you can have it. It's like, oh, my God, what did you do to your dog? That's so cool. So begin, and that's why I explain, I guess, the, the purpose of the episode today is that if you are venturing into, you know, first sessions of the training, dog training or any other training, is that remember that that person who's teaching you the things at the beginning uh, exactly what you said. They're so mundane. They're so weird. They can be boring, and but it is so necessary for what's to come. I think I like the pyramid analogy that you gave because it makes sense. The tip of the pyramid is the one single thing, mm. but everything underneath it is what supports it.
1: Yeah, and and yeah, often the most important part of it as well is those. Is the like, base. What is it? The, the 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 mastery of the basics. Right? Is that's the yep. most important thing? Totally. And just
0: like um, like footwork in in most sports or martial arts is mm. like is the thing that isn't sexy. You the know? drilling, no one no yeah. one likes to drill, right? Uh no. oh, totally. Like you know, you want to learn how to slip and throw a jab. Well, slipping and jabbing is the exact same movement from the hips and the legs. You're doing the exact same thing. You're just moving your shoulder in one in in two different directions. So I guess that's why even. You know, the elite boxers are still practicing slipping and jabbing and and you know doing left-right combinations. They're like the thing that you practice when you go to the boxing class with with the mums. They're doing the the same things, but obviously not doing the same thing. You know what I mean? And um and I think that is really important. So anyone that's listening is that I don't think you can do enough foundations, but I guess the problem is. Is that people just stay at the foundations and they think that's what they're doing. They're training the dog, they're luring the dog forever. And that's a problem as well. You have to progress through the steps. So, like a so like a good dog trainer is going, look, we're doing these things now. I know that your dog is very reactive to you know chasing the cat in the in the house. So to get that, we need to do all these things to begin with, rather than going, all right, cool, bring us the cat. And it's like that's that's right at the end. Actually, more pragmatic example. So last week I had a client, we met up at the park. It was a two-hour session. for with It was an hour and a half in, and she's like, this is all cool, Panos. But my problem is that my dog goes crazy when she sees dogs. And I'm like, listen, you can't even get your dog under control and there's no dog here. So let's Mm. get her walking nicely, following her, sitting down, and looking at you, which the dog knew to do, but let's now um, teach you the skills so that we can learn all the components. And, of course, giving the dog a break, an hour and a half, is ridiculous. So we break, we talk, we chat we do our analogies and then we come back and work it when the dogs came out had all three dogs in the car when I pulled them out. And yeah, there was a little bit of a reaction, but all the things we did, like for example, the name game, you walk back, apply some pressure, say the dog's name, the dog looks, release the pressure, reward the dog. When you look at it, it's like, okay, cool. You're walking back and saying the dog's name. You want something like you want a flashbang technique, right? Um, but once we drill that name game to be second nature, the dog sees a dog, you start walking back and say the dog's name and then tell him to sit. It's like it just falls into place. And then, of course, the end result is the dog sees another dog and the dog just sit, just carries on what it's doing. That's the tip of the pyramid for you that. You've
1: got to crawl before you can walk, before you can run, right? It's like um, when you teach a kid to ride a bike, you don't like – you start with what? You start with training wheels and you probably start in the backyard mm-hmm. in a nice familiar environment. Right, hint, hint. This is how we train our dogs, right? Mm-hmm. And then you don't just go and put them on a five lane highway after that with all the traffic <laughs> everywhere or, or or down at the Esplanade. If we're talking about dogs straight yep. away, like mm-hmm. so true, there's a reason that we start in a really neutral environment, right?
0: Exactly. And then when you say, when you tell people, all right, practice the name game, practice the sit, the down, practice the bed, command the look, all right, this is session one, foundation building. And you see, you catch up in four weeks. Now you can tell the people that have done the work and more. Because the dog doesn't lie, they just you can grab the lead, tell them to do something, and the dog starts to do it almost immediately. You don't have to tell me how much training you've done, because what we what we needed to do there was now get to the next step. So, for example, the clients I saw today doing really well, and they practice everything I said, and actually, in fact, um, they're probably going to listen to this episode now. So, hey guys, you know you talking, you know who I'm talking about as well. Um, is that they listen to more of the episodes, watching the videos, implementing the f- some from the foundation, say so they already started doing what I wanted to do in session two before. So then they we're able to go to step three or four in session two. So the steps don't mean each it doesn't mean 15 sessions. It just means every phase or every step within a phase of a of a behavior. Well, and, some uh,
1: trainers might take 15 uh, sessions, but for we sure generally
0: don't. Well, like you know, so when where I got this from when I was listening to Patrick Pet David's YouTube video talking about, you know, good entrepreneurs or good business people or whatever it is making money, is that the amateur person's setting up for the next three steps where the elitist is working for those 10 to 15. And when he said it, it just rung a bell straight away. I wish I could do that for my entrepreneurial skills. I don't have those skills yet to be able to forecast 15 steps. Maybe I do. Like I don't, I don't really know how many steps because I'm not that well-versed, but I know for dog training it's exactly that. And I guess maybe the reason why we're going to keep talking about these sort of concepts on the podcast in this phase is that, I guess, if anyone's realized is that whatever's on our mind or whatever's the thing that bothers us or the thing that we found exciting, we bring to the podcast, we talk about it, we unpack it, we put it into words, and then we play around with it. We work on it with the dogs and in general life, and we come back and report back to see, hey, look, you know, this is what I used to think and this is what I'm thinking now. So, I guess life is almost like that as well. The little things that you do now will set you up for the future if you know, if you're going towards a general direction rather than putting, I guess there is a common saying, they go, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, spread them out. But then, you know, little little risk, little reward sort of thing, right? Mm. Um, Yeah. So, I guess- Again, again, I'm just figuring out these thoughts and putting into words. You guys are coming along for the ride, for the madness. It's right? A stream of conscious, exactly. Consciousness,
1: conscience? What's the, what's that saying? I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm familiar with that saying. Like when you write in a diary and you ju- a journal and you just kind of start writing, they call it yes. like, is it stream of conscience? Something like that. It, you know, that's that that makes sense. This is what happens when I try and use words that are too big for myself. Too big for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I heard this one from Stephen Covey. He says writing crystallizes thought.
1: And I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, well, right. writing is the ultimate form of thinking, right? Because you have to craft and shape your words. And for it to make sense, where like this
0: conversation, we wrote, wrote down word for word what we're saying now, it'd be a jumbled mess. Mm, right. Interesting. So like, so let's, let's go off that thought. So, all right, I saw this video where, you know, I want my dog to be like, you know, Panos or Luke's dog. And it looked like he just did this thing. So I'm going to go and copy what he just did with a dog that already has gone through all these steps and it doesn't, you can't mimic it. You can mimic it maybe for that once or twice, but it's not a, it's, it's not a solidified behavior. So that's why starting from those boring basics, starting everything in the backyard, the front yard, around the mild distractions or whatever it is. Again, and I think we exhaust the crap out of this is what are your goals? What is that? What is the tip of your pyramid? And you may have a couple of pyramids that you're working on with your dog, right? So have everything written down and know that, well, the things that I'm doing now are planning for that. Hence why the professional comes in to help you kind of guide that. And I've seen people that are really well versed. They fully understand what they're doing, but when you're stuck in the weeds, you, you need some direction and even, you know, the best of us need coaches and, and, and people to mentor us. So
1: I think, I think- w- one good thing you've taught me um, before is like begin with the end in mind, right? Mm. It's like whenever we, uh, we talk about maybe I'm teaching shadow something new, you're like, what is the criteria? What is the picture that you want for that dog at the end of that behavior? Mm-hmm. And that's how we define the end picture. And therefore like that might be 10 to 15 steps away. Yep. And then we can work backwards from that end picture and be like, okay, that's what we want to achieve. What are the steps to get to that point?
0: Exactly. It's so true, you know, and I think I don't think we see it enough because I think we want it to just stop, I guess. Well, look, this was the last point. I'm going to bring it up to the second point is that we're not really trying to fix anything that we're trying to improve everything else. Hmm. And just if we think about that, yes, of course, we don't want the dog, um, chasing the cat. So we want to fix that. But again, we've talked about fixing things and they aren't really the best words to use. It's, I want to improve her focus, improve her impulse control, improve her obedience. And that's where you can line up or what is it that that I need at first and not biting off too much that, you know, that you you can digest in terms of you get all the information, you cram it all in and then you, your dog and everyone else around you is overwhelmed. That's why, and um, that's why it always reminds me of when, you know, when we we're training um, martial arts and I remember sensei would say, I would watch him teach the new brand new student or like, you know, a very new student a technique and when he, the student would execute it and he did it super rubbish. Um, but I, I was looking at this from the wrong state of mind. And he's like, yes, perfect, perfect. Yeah, cool. Keep that up. And I'm like, how can he say that's perfect? Is he just trying to make him feel good? But over through well, the this years- his
1: first lesson. He's not going to go, bro, that was shit house. Don't ever <laughs> no. come back here. <laughs> no, not that it was like
0: session one. It was more like, yeah, he's been training with us for like, let's say six months and mm. he's doing one of the techniques and the technique was not perfect. But then I only realized with lots of observation that Oh, wait, he said perfect because he wanted the left foot to go in front of that right foot. And the only thing that worked really good in that moment was the placing his feet, for example, yeah. so he can do a trip. And even though the top wasn't really good, his arms weren't in position, his body weight was, but he still got that foot because he was struggling to get the left foot in front and he always had it behind the foot, for example. So when he says perfect, he's going, he's looking at that little micro thing. And if we can fix all those little adjustments here and there, not only does your body fit in the right position so you can, you know, take somebody down or so you can a- apply a-, a lock or something, it's that you start to feel, oh, wait, when I transition my body weight this way, he moves in that direction, I can see that opportunity. And then once you start feeling it, that's when you start to understand it. And that's where that it's, it does become a feeling. When I'm working with the dog, I put headphones on and close my eyes and I can still manage the dog a little bit nicer on the leash not to say ordinary walking, because it's muscle memory. It's just it's it's a feeling rather than I have to stare at the dog. And once we can kind of give that feeling to others through little tiny successes, if people are willing to stick on the journey, because some people do one session, they're going, "Yeah, we tried training, it didn't work,"
1: <laughs> and, and that's frustrating. However, it is what keyword is being they tried well. I mean, yeah. define try exactly just one say one attempt I trying. Is exactly. one attempt training? Like, what is, how do we define either of those things? 100%. You know, so
0: it's it's important that don't, and I guess the, so the, the next point I've got here is setting up your training. So you're going to so, say, so your dog chases the possums and she runs, she, she goes to the tree and looks up the tree because she wants to chase the possums and she knows that she's seen possums in trees before. Maybe she can smell them that this, and during the day, you don't know if the possums in the tree sleeping because you can't see them. The dog certainly can smell it so we would say i don't want my dog jumping up on the trees and sniffing the tree and i would say and we just did this with my clients before ali and maz um just have to remember your names and i have to ask your names again in the session so i'm very i bet very you didn't apologetic. forget the dog's
1: name <laughs> her
0: name's lady and she's an awesome dog um i never forget the dog's name that's interesting so um so when we're working at, towards in the, the session we have to also know well let's set up the training so we're walking back towards the car and dog was on the long lead we've done an awesome session. We, answered all the questions they had, and we did some more extra stuff. Everything was really good. And right at the end, she goes up to the tree. She's getting all very distracted, and it was kind of hard to get her back. To call her to come in that moment would be like a disservice to everything. We've been working on really, really good recalls, her best recall she's done so far, and that was earlier in the session, to now randomly pop out a come when she was struggling, when we weren't near such a high highly motivating distracting stimuli where she's like oh my god i need to get these possums if she was struggling to do it in the middle of the park when there wasn't that distraction what makes us think that we can get her to do a really good recall there it'd be ridiculous um we just hold her back and just kind of redirect and con- con- continued walking and i say we'll the, the dog
1: dictates up. the pace right that's the whole thing
0: exactly so then I would say, look, you don't like that behaviour, so then you come back to this park at the similar time of the day and we practise recalls here. So we're going to practise and improve our recall because the problem isn't that she's running up the tree. The problem is that she's not coming back when you want her to come back when she's looking up the tree. That's the problem. So we're not going to fix barking at the tree, looking at the tree, whatever. It's about improving that recall, which means that would probably be, can she recall off a stimuli like possums in a tree? That's probably, you know... If we're going to talk about steps, maybe that's like step thirteen out of fifteen, because it's such a high, highly motivating thing for her to just come off that. Means that you need to have something e- even more motivating, and of course, you need to discourage when she chooses not to do it. But it all comes down to the dog's ability, so that's why you rather do a month of little tiny steps closer and closer to your goal, rather than trying to smash them out in five times at the park and that's that's exactly what they did they did everything building up to that so that we could talk more about the possum and the tree situation um and again you got to know your dog in terms of can do you reckon she'll do it now probably not maybe i'll go here go and like informally get her to come close to me rather than calling that recall every time all right so i wasn't going to expose this because it was kind of like a shitty situation but I'm just gonna say it anyway because screw it. So um, and it's not that bad anyway. Well, I guess it is. So um, I had my dogs off the <laughs> you lead. Can't tell and, half a story. Yeah, everyone's anyway. gonna tell me off like you and your freaking dogs off the lead. But this is a proper dodgy, shitty situation. And recently, not, like, yeah, recently, like not longer. And I'm not like, super proud of it. I'm proud because of the outcome, but I'm not proud of what it did. And there wasn't the dog's fault. So all three dogs, Spades, Nookie, and Chili, walking up the street. Then in my road, at the end of my street, there's a busy road, and there's a and a, directly from there, there's a big grass area along the the bay there where I throw the ball generally for Chile. Two things that were interesting as I was walking up to the um, normally we get there, dogs just wait, cars stop, and normally I'm walking them at like ten o'clock at night, nice, so there's not many cars. And then when they go, I say, okay, we cross the road, we and we do some training, and there's never any issues. However, as I'm walking up the street, I'm like, oh, I probably should stop crossing here. I don't want like a habit of like. The dog's crossing at the same spot in case there's a miscommunication one day and the dog like goes onto the busy road. And as I had this thought, I'm walking up and Nookie's like, you know, two houses down, just still sniffing. And we were approaching this busy road and I'm like, oh, she's so annoying. I'm like, Nookie. And if I was to be like, Nookie, come here. Urgh, she'd come to me very slowly. So I'm like, come on, girl. And I had Chilly next to me. And remember the word go in my scheme of training means you're in the park, go, you're at liberty, do what the hell you want to do. Mind you, I'm on the other side of the busy road and we can see the place where we throw the ball, where I tell him to go. So Nookie's there and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be mean to Nookie. I'm like, come on, Nookie, go, 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 go. And as I said that, I look up and Chili's like just gotten onto the busy road. Like, I mean, he thought I released him to go and he's not thinking about cars. So he's just stepped onto the road. I've looked up, there wasn't any cars close to him, but again, busy road. And certainly if he continued, he would have got hit by a car for sure. I look at him, I go, Chili, Ella which is my way of calling him to come. So I get chilly, come. He ran up to me, boom, planted his butt on the ground with enthusiasm, intensity. And I'm like, (gasps) that'll like choke on my breath. I clip the leash on, I give him a pat. I'm a good boy. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Um, All good. And I continued walking and it was all good. So um,
1: it sounds like you escaped it by the skin of your teeth, pretty much.
0: Super dodgy, right? now. What do those- they say?
1: More more by good luck than good management. And that's a, look, it's a perfect example of like, the, even the dog trainers fuck up. Like, mm-hmm. Shadow's taken off on me before when mm-hmm. he was younger. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you going to do about it? I put myself in a situation where I didn't have control of him yep. and he took his opportunity and off yep. we went.
0: And look, I'm going to just like, not many people, I guess, would want to like expose the fact that they make these sort of mistakes, but hey, we're giving you advice, may as well just, he my flaws as well like you know it is what it is now two things i thought first of all i'm an idiot i gave the command to the dog to run <laughs> and he did exactly what he was told right so um so that was my bad it wasn't like and it hasn't been to this day where he's just gone screw you and run like it doesn't happen i said go 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 in the in and he was right next to me and i was literally like five meters from the curb of the road so It was all in context that he did the right thing because there's probably has been time where I've walked up there, there's no cars, I say go, and you run across the road. So, again, a miscommunication, it is what it is. However, every single recall I did with that dog leading up to that moment was almost like every session I did of recall was because of that. It was like an arrowhead build up to that moment. Now, why did he come so good to me? A few reasons. And, again, this is planning those 15 steps ahead is when I call him to come to me but I don't need him to do it with, like, flashiness, drive, and intensity. I just say, here, bud. And I, like, I tap my leg or something. Mm. And he will come close to me. i pat him, put him on a leash, but there's no sitting at my feet. When I say the word Ella in Greek means come, everyone keeps asking me, what does that mean? So um, random sound So that way them other dogs aren't confused. It's a specific command for him to mean formally come to me, sit at my feet and wait until I release you. And normally at the end of that recall, I'm rewarding him with the ball, a tug, Either sometimes I will jackpot him and give him all of his dinner. Sometimes I'll give him three kibbles. Sometimes I give him a small handful. Sometimes I give him one kibble and sometimes I give him nothing. So I purposely did that. You gonna say something? Yeah, I was gonna say
1: good old intermittent reward schedule.
0: Exactly right. Make and variable because I also wanna give different amounts, Mm. different, different, and then also variable in terms of you don't even know what reward you're gonna get. And I have proofed it in ways where I would not just do it at the grassy park. I would do it in the areas where he wouldn't even expect that i have a tug hidden in my jumper, call him to come, good boy, pat him, release him, and then we'll be like at the edge of a car park. I'll call him to come again. He'll come to me and I'll go, hey, let's play tug. And mm. I'll give him the marker for the tug and we play. And he's like, wow, I didn't even think I could do it here. Mm. So I did that purposefully because I wanted I wanted to look nice. So when I actually call him and I want to show that it can be done or more importantly when i absolutely 100 need him to like when he is about to go you know get hit by a car potentially calling him to come he did it with this like enthusiasm and intensity but i never I, but one thing i screwed up with spades for example is his formal recall was come he heard come every single day when i was training other dogs Watered and it down yeah. And I've called him to come so many other times and I've never really given anything. So now like I just get this like flat kind of he walks and he moses up to me. And again, for spades, it doesn't matter because I think I had to change his record to some other word when I was, again, now old man, he's he's pretty chill, right? Mm. However, um, and I think it was advice from from Pat Stewart, I think he said as well, like, for example, that down command, down is down, boring, long, whatever, kato means to lay down in Greek, but laying down with intensity. in it, And and I would do it while I'm, for example, to kind of get that reflex while Chili's running around me, running around, 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 and then randomly I'll go, boom, he slams in the down. I'll either give him another command or reward him for it. I would even like randomly be walking down the street and start sprinting and tell him to, to down. And then I may reward him with a ball just wherever I am on the side of the footpath. Again, this is very, with the ball that I've got, it's a ball on a rope. So I go, chop.
1: Shadow has two me. downs. All right, there's one where I only ever, 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 ever reward him in place. Or oh, the other one is just whatever. So the the the, yeah. the first one, which is only ever being rewarded in place, is like I use that as like he's not going anywhere. Basically, mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't have any expectation of being rewarded out of position unless exactly. I've unless I've actually put him in. Like I might put him in that and then give him another command and then reward that but sure. I never reward him out of position straight from that specific exactly. one.
0: Exactly. And yep. and such a good idea because we want the – when you when you give that formal kato or formal ella, those commands should be like sharp and intense and for the dog to think, yeah, it's game on and something good's going to happen. So we re- re- reserve that for when we need it or like on competition day or whatever. So um, now using that exact same example in the group class we did last week, um, i had chili with me and it was the first time he's been in a group class and it means that he had to lay down for one whole hour basically while dogs were doing things and barking at each other so he doesn't
1: usually he hasn't been he hadn't been to a class before that no nah, because we just started
0: doing him now since the lockdowns and everything yep. and mm-hmm. so um and yeah he basically just went to sleep he's like again i sat down i did not tell him the formal down command it was just the loose you say there and he stayed the whole time and he was like and it was actually really really positive for him as well because the time he came before, I had him tethered because I wasn't sure how it would be. That. So, last week was his second time. Um, and it was a bit like, mm, dog's barking at me. He's like staring at him. At him and, but the second session, he was like completely sweet, which I think another future episode to come is more about when we start teaching skills, skills start um, washing over into other skills. Once you teach somebody how to learn, we can learn other skills and compound on top of it. Um, and I think that's really cool to talk about, which kind of tethers into this as well, right? So. Mm. Anyway, I think we. I mean, recently. I don't think it,
1: there's any, nothing in dog training is an island in the sense of like all these episodes we've done, they all overlap, and we've probably Have talked to. about some of this stuff before, and it's like everything's connected. Yeah, totally, hundred percent,
0: and, um, and not just connected, but I guess sometimes you can get like a, I guess maybe one thing and I love how Andrew did it. Um, he would like go okay for the next four episodes to talk about sleep. And the next four episodes, and then in that ep- in that four weeks, he would split them up into like four different subcategories of what would you know. And I think that was pretty cool. Um, and um, like
1: planning ahead, like what we're talking about. Um oh, what a f-
0: smart man he is, right? So, um, I think when we started, like we wrote something like, "Let's just talk about stuff." Right? We had That's a bit of a plan though. We had a plan. actually. Letters after our names, exactly. Um, so fundamentals are boring, but the most necessary for setting up the next steps. So, i.e. In behavior modification, we want our dog to be to not be fear aggressive. So we want our dog to be confident and to be calm and to be accepting and neutral of the things around them. You require some obedience skills. Without doing any obedience skills, how are you even controlling your dog? Um, just like when that lady says, "Yeah, look, I get you want to teach obedience, but I just want my dog to stop biting other dogs." And I'm like, "Well, when your dog's around other dogs, what do you want it to do? I just want I just want my dog to listen to me and to focus on me." And I'm like and she's like oh yeah okay cool i'll see you on tuesday because um, she called me to say can we just like just do dog stuff but as i said before without without those fundamentals how are you even communicating with your animal now it doesn't mean that we have to teach all the behave behaviors like for example i saw a dog today she wanted to chase actually a new dog ladies owner for five days and dogs chasing the cat and like full prey drive little kind of, tiny maltese poodle cross something but um like full drive and the cat's like freaking out. So management plans and we gave her some ideas. Now there's lots of things that I think she should be doing. But in that moment, we had an hour because that's all I could reserve for, for her time slot. So we go, look, I want and I want and her daughter is really well versed into dog training. So I'll go and look, I'm gonna offload some of the basics for Alicia to teach you. This is what we're gonna work on managing the cat, the cat and the dog situation. However, the things I'm gonna show you now are kind of incomplete because um because as I said before we don't just chuck the cat there and show the lady how to do it. So what we did was we kind of came up with a plan. The cat was in its own enclosure and we're heaps far away and we're just teaching her to get her dog to focus on um back onto the handler. And we had to find what that critical distance was and how many times should we do it rather than at the moment she just had them two separate in different rooms and just alternating them, which is definitely something that you should do. But when they're together, what should we do? And a couple of fundamentals are have the dog on a leash, teach a bed command, teach the dog to look at you and practice the name game. And everything else will start to come together. Again, all of those separately don't fix the cat thing. But if you don't have any means of control, then how can we fix the cat thing? So um, so that's where they can be boring and people want the sexy, cool, awesome technique. But um, but we
1: train, we do dog training when we don't need it or we train these commands when we don't need them so that we have them when we, we do, do need them right exactly. that's the point so the boring repetitive uh do I really want to do this you know 3 to 5 minutes 3 to 5 times a day can I really be bothered can I just like bowl feed the dog mm-hmm. you know that's those w- that work is what you'll either be glad you did or regret not doing it in the moment like what you had earlier with him almost running onto Um, A busy road, right? You've done the work in the moments when you didn't need it, so that when you have to call upon it, it's there.
0: Exactly. And actually, that brings up a thought where you set your goals and you set what you want. I'm not saying, actually, in fact, I don't even want anybody to walk their three dogs off the lead and walk in the streets. Like, I'm not saying you should do it. Um, It's more about, I know that I need that for my dogs because to be practical, I need my dog to listen to me off the leash. And happens to be that I'm probably lazy and I'm just walking across the road to throw the ball. And again, it's not like I just winged it. I just take the dogs off the lead and just let them do whatever. they got to earn their stripes. There is no off lead privileges unless you don't know these commands. Mm. It's just proofing them means that you got to respond to them every single time under any circumstance. And depends on how I can achieve some of these things in six months. But again, remember, I'm with Chili eight hours a day for five days a week, not to mention all the extra stuff that we do in everyday life. So, Some people don't even, some people say, look, panels, I'm not even that interested in my dog recalling that much. I just want my dog to just walk on a a loose leash and that's it. And we work the things. Again, they may not be specifically tailored to only loose lead walking directly, but they are fundamentals that I want everyone, and I guess I want everyone to think even when you're going into a new course or learning something new, remind yourself, and I have to remind myself too, is that be good at these real fundamental, like, um, hardcore theoretical stuff, be like really well-versed with that because the things that will come, you'll be able to answer the problem solving if you know where it came from. Where my dad was telling me a story the other day and he was saying how he um he understood, like, so he was talking about a course when he was at uni and this one guy was like photographic memory. So he would just like read the thing, go into the class, regurgitate it all, he'd get like straight A's. Where Dad was saying that he wanted to spend more time trying to understand the functions and Mm. what was actually being taught, even though he wasn't maybe as good at the course and passing the exams, he understood the 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 fundamentals, and he said, you know, years later, that same guy who was able to just photographically just remember, he didn't, he remembered it in the moment, like a short term memory, but it was not a long term memory. And even if it was a long term memory, it's like it's like copying the equate. It's like, sorry, it's like copying the answer, but not knowing the equation. Mm, and like you don't not know being it, able
1: to show you working kind of thing. Like you just like, oh, that's the
0: answer. But why? Oh, I don't know. Just is. Yeah. If you don't show the working out then, because, and again, that's what they say in maths as well, right? They said, you need to show your working out because I can give you half a mark instead of one. You just kind of made an error. And I saw where you made the error. So, um, but yeah, well, if you know the... Yeah,
1: just talking about, um, you know, not knowing, not showing you working. Um, my best man in his speech was talking about, because we've known each other for 30 years. He was talking about how um apparently I didn't, I didn't remember this. I used to let him copy my homework. <laughs> so he definitely wasn't showing his working. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Unless he's copying your working out. and Unless my answers were wrong too. And then we both had wrong
0: answers. Yeah. That's where you get caught. Yeah. You, you got to fudge a couple of them every, like every intimate one, not every second one. Cause the teacher knows that too. <laughs> <Hey>? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important. So I guess the last thing that I guess we can wrap this up is, you know, be patient and know the outcome from the start, you know, begin with the end in mind, know what it is that you're working towards, have faith within yourself and within the system that you're learning, or I guess kind of have some faith in your teacher and and the person who's teaching this stuff, Um, because it may not be very clear for you. It's like you're following the map. But you look up and you just see fog, or you just see a hill. It's like I can't see where I'm going. But you have to follow the map, right? It's mm-hmm. like turn the left here, but it's like, but but isn't the place west? It's like, but now you're making me turn left, which is going north. Yeah, but if you don't take this left now, yeah, you can continue going straight. But there's going to be a creek that you can't cross. Turn the left so you can go. So like, there's these things that you, like you want to push it towards. Like, can I just rush it? Like the kid at um at jujitsu the other day I had to kind of um. Tell him how it is it's great he'd learn a heel hook you know um which means like you grab someone's foot and pull it up and really hurt their foot if you do it too hard and um and i saw him doing the, one of the other guys before and then when we're um doing the role and you're not supposed to be going this intense he was just like jacked up i'm like whoa tap where what are you doing anyway i said to him i'm like look man if i if you're gonna get some like a submission on like have it there pause slow down because I'm going to tap before you put it on. I do not want you hurting me. I want to go mm. to work tomorrow and I want to come back to training. And he's young. He doesn't get it. He's excited. He just learned the heel hook. It looks badass. So I young, get it.
1: Full of testosterone.
0: Exactly. Let him go through the motion, but then also gets a little bit cocky and, um, you know, and getting a little bit aggressive and you got to kind of, you know, not that I'm look, I'm still a wiper. I don't know shit. Right. But in terms of the, the, the respect and the ethic within a dojo, that's something that I am familiar with and that's where, you know, I guess for him, he's even all the, the teachers would say, look, you can go gun ho on trying this thing, but instead of trying to like put the, the end result on so quick, understand how you're getting to that point because it could change. And if that position changes, you want to be able to adapt and change around it. So you have the dogs like, look, I've done this with five dogs. I know how to teach the dog to come to, to not chase cats, right? So I had one of my clients where the cat ran up the lady. She's had this Labrador for a couple of days. Her cat ran up her shoulder and the dog jumped and took the end of its tail off. Um, full prey drive, black Labrador, no aggression, just full predatory mode. Um, She's horrified. She's like, oh, my God, I love this cat, like to pieces. And this dog comes in my house and takes its tail off. did not laugh, but that was a pretty oh, funny story. <laughs> full on, right? So Anyway, <clears throat> session three. I've rocked up to the house and the cat's there and the dog's laying there and it's just like, nothing's wrong. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. All this stuff's happening. But we worked on loose lead walking, obedience training, counter conditioning, descent, all this. She she did all the stuff. She did everything I told her. She didn't do too much extra. So when I saw her again the next time, we piggybacked off where we were at. We continued going forward. And that's where we were able to get to the point where I just want my dog and my cat to just live, be in the house and just be next to each other. But how we got to that was meticulous planning. From so from my end, she just followed the commands. I did the planning, but it doesn't mean that, okay, look, I've seen five dogs that, you know, attacked other cats before. So now it's all those same processes are going to work exactly for this dog. What if there's a bit of a change in the plan and five steps in a dog has a tendency to do something different than the other dog did. You have to be able to adapt around that. So it can't be so set in stone. You have to be, you have to know the formula so you can apply it when it's appropriate. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does. And that's where patience comes in because this person who's done it heaps of times before can see it. it's like, look, I can see where we're at here. I know the type of dog. Um, I think these things do these things. And then when we see each other again, and it's exactly like the physio guy, right? Do this stupid little band things because eventually you'll be able to do the bigger thing. And before you know it, you'll be going back to your sport in full, ro- full motion, full rotation, no pain, no sore, because we worked on the underlying causes rather than cortisone, Panadol and train, because that's no good either. Um, even though you don't feel pain after cort- cortisone shot and some t- and some panadol, just because you feel good doesn't mean that it's healed, right? And that's mm. what people You're want just masking want the pain. There's not a mask, it, right? And then when we saw a um client the other day where, you know, weaning off the meds on like like on, on a Prozac after like six weeks or four weeks of weaning off this these- <laughs> That whining started to ramp up, and it's really hard. You can't really you can't punish that state of mind or the state of mind. So you technically can't punish it. it. That dog whining in this like anxiety isn't isn't something that you can go oh knock it off like stop it. Just like if he chose to bark at a dog, it's something that we need to influence a dog's mindset for that whining to stop. But it also could be a side effect of coming off Prozac. Um, I don't, I don't know enough about it to know they, but I had a hunch and a feeling that maybe the Prozac helped because again, this um, lady who's training a dog is like very, very um, proactive with the training and doing really well. So now it's time to get off the meds and we start to see things start to change. And I haven't seen it much before. So we need to adapt and change around it. And I believe because she's been coming to multiple group classes that, it, um, it's starting to get better. We have good days and bad days, and there's some dogs you've got to manage them forever, and that just is what it is. It's like well.
1: anything, man. Yeah, it doesn't. There's no such thing as a quick fix, and more to the point, there's no such thing as a perfect or a finished dog, and there, or, or anything really. Like a lot of things outside of dogs, it's like, let's say you have like a, a, an ongoing injury, you manage it. You, there's no, you know what I mean? Like, you might, even if you went and got right. a reconstruction or something on your shoulder, your knee, your hip, whatever. Now, you everything you do has to work around it. Plan.
0: Yes. Like, your warm ups are going to be different. You're getting a bit older and you got that injury. And it's like, look, I still want to do football, but I've got to do all these things. I've got to do the extra workouts. I've got to do the physio three times um, a month. And I've got to, you know, make sure I'm up to date with like, you know, getting massage and looking after my, my, the mental side of things. All of those things will complement. How your physical and mental capabilities are. So you can do continue doing the sport that you like to do. So, just exactly like what you're saying is everything will complement each other. You got to understand the why, be patient, and think about those next 10 to 15 steps because people are like, Yeah, you know, things are good. It's been four weeks. And I'm like, Four weeks is like nothing. What I'm teaching you now, we're planting seeds for the next six months, but we're planning them now because I know in six months when we do a follow up, we will be. Able, we're going to be at the place where where I desire you to be, and I think that's that's really important. That's what the trainer should be doing. We're planting seeds, and we watch it grow, and we and we nurture that. And I think that's that's what we should be doing from our clients and our students or whatever it is. So that's where I want to wrap that on. I think that's Any a final good, good place
1: to wrap things up.
0: Yeah. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Got that off my chest, and now ready for the next conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: life, eh? Yeah, I love it. It's great like Bring medusa right cut cut one head off and how many more appear yeah exactly like the hydra anyway we i digress uh thanks for listening That's as right. always it guys hope you got value out now. of this um you know where to find us on instagram on facebook um i've noticed a few more re- um not reviews but ratings coming through on spotify which is thank cool. thank you guys um it only takes a second to hit hit that button so
0: Actually, no, listen to this. I was going to, because um, I don't listen to Spotify. But I don't listen to many podcasts with Spotify just because I
1: find it's really weird and like hard to use. Yeah, I don't Sorry. like the layout. It's the one thing I won't do on Spotify. Also, while we're talking about podcast apps, um, Google Podcasts, like Google, right, one of the biggest companies on the planet, Every pretty much everything else they do is amazing. Mm-hmm. The Google Podcast app, I'm going to say it right now, is an absolute piece of dog shit worst app what have you got and against like, it just shit. crashes <laughs> over and over and over and that's like, annoying. i was like i wanted to use it for so long because it's like laid out really well yeah and the layout is amazing but it just it's super unstable it's always crashing and that's annoying. anyway so now i'm using the podcast app
0: well, look, I use um, Podcast Addict because just to listen to like general, normal episodes. But when I want to listen to Joe Rogan, of course, I've got to go on Spotify. Mm. But then when the boys that can Paradigm them, like, hey, help us out on Spotify. So I'm like, yeah, of course. So I, and I listen to like all their episodes, I go to go on to Spotify to do it. And it's like, you haven't been listening to this podcast. You need to listen to some. Oh, before really? Before you can rate it. Yeah. And I was like, what? So mm. I had to listen well, to Well, I, I guess a that's a
1: good episodes. thing, though, that it keeps keeps the algorithms keeping it honest, right? That's, that's yes. I like that.
0: I do like that too. So, Listen to one episode because I only had to listen to one of the episodes I wanted to listen to and then I could rate it. So maybe you have to listen to it once on Spotify to do that. So I thought I'd
1: put that out there. Nice one. See you guys. Thanks, boys and girls. See ya. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training. My website, npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches.
1: Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A. K9CANINE.com.au. Canine, uh, I'm also on Instagram at K 9 training Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.